0: All right, welcome back to another edition of the Standing Room Only Podcast. Yes, I am Ben Standing, and I cover the Washington football team for The Athletic. We're going to be talking about today, day one of mandatory minicamp. Chase Young was back, uh, which was a good thing. Also a good thing, Matt Parrish from The Washington Times is back here on the podcast to help break down what we saw out there today and get into a few other things matt let the people know that you are in fact here and i'm not just saying that to grab some uh extra clicks i am it's a pleasure as as always and i don't know if i would grab those extra clicks (laughs) oh come on now um absolutely um all right so of course we'll get into all that if you want to read um i didn't write anything today off of that but i will be writing Later this week, off of what what's going on out there. So you can check out that by subscribing to the athletic and of course subscribe to this podcast, iTunes or Spotify, wherever you do your podcasting. You can follow me on Twitter at Ben Standing and Matt. I'm gonna say is at Matthew underscore Paris P A R A S. Read him on the Washington Times and uh Matt. Oh, oh, but hold on before I forget, there's two parts of this episode. I'm terrible at this job. Uh I also talked a lot about the wizards. Fred, I made Fred Katz come on this podcast because I always go on his podcast. So we went through their off season. Uh, re- what realistically can they do the coaching situation? Where does Bradley Beal now rank among the best players in the, in the league? And considering that Devin Booker, Trey young just had really, have had a really good postseason so far. Um, and we also got talking about Jurassic park and Chad Pennington. It was weird, but that's typically what Fred and I do. So, um, Let's, though, we're going to focus here at the top on the football team. I'll put the timestamp when Fred and I start talking on the Wizards. You can jump to that if somehow you want to do that. Um, So, Matt, I guess, like, I guess we have to start with Chase Young just because it's the news of the day. It's the news of the day because he showed up, and also he told us a few things that made it even a little bit newsier. Um, Let's start with this so he mentions that uh we knew about with the groin injury he suffered last year um in week three against the browns it cost him part of that game and then the next game um but then he also today mentioned this hip issue and i think we were all like whoa a hip issue he mentions that this sort of held him back a little bit and then i was like afterwards i was like wait (laughs) wasn't like the first day of training camp last year wasn't the whole story like oh great this team never can have things nice things this prize player is dealing with a hip flexor. And sure enough, I went back and double checked and that's what was, was the deal. He said at that point, he missed like a a little bit of, very little bit of training camp, a little bit or a little bit. And then he was saying he was okay. So I don't necessarily know what to make, but I guess athletes will lie about what kind of injuries they have. So I guess I'm going to sort of chalk it up to that. If he's thinking it's important enough to mention that it was an issue, but that's where it came from. Yeah, no, I mean, I I think, What we didn't –
1: we knew that he had a hip flexor issue. We knew it kind of lingered because, if you remember, they brought him along very slowly within camp last year. They kept him out of team drills for weeks. I think the surprising thing was just kind of how much it lingered throughout the season. And he never really – he didn't indicate if it ever went away. I mean, we probably should have asked him if it ever did. But he he thought that the groin issue – was related because of the hip and you kind of see that in sports all the time right like hamstring injuries are caused because you have a bad ankle stuff like that like you're compensating for one injury and another injury happens and i think that's kind of what happened in his groin case so yeah that was a little bit of surprising but besides that i mean it's just how much has this guy grown heading into his second year What was he up to? Because we didn't really know what the the reasons why he missed voluntary workouts, and you know he provided light on all of that. And I thought he was really good. You know, it's always a pleasure to talk to him, and um, you can tell he's a star. And the team hasn't really had some of those in a really long time. But he carries and conducts himself like a star, and I think we saw that again today.
0: For sure, and and to the point, look if he says that he wasn't, he didn't think he was a. I don't want to say hundred percent, nobody's hundred percent, but if he doesn't feel like he was physically, he, he could physically do everything he wanted to do because of this injury, take him at his word. Okay. That's even to some degree more impressive than with what, with what happened and, and who knows where he'll go from, from here. He looked to be in pretty good shape. I mean, you know, we saw the workout tapes. I definitely wasn't imagining Chase Young was showing up in camp with, uh, with, with a gut like mine. I figured he would still have his, uh, you know, usual six pack. Although I guess we didn't get to see it because he wasn't wearing a half shirt today. Um, which is abnormal for for him. Maybe, maybe they'll maybe they don't let you do that on first day of mandatory minicamp when you've missed the the previous uh OTAs. Um, speaking of which, you mentioned the the star aspect of him, and he definitely is a very appealing personality, not just for those of us who cover him, looking for good sound bites, things to discuss, but also you can tell to his teammates. And he said two things today that I think sort of touch on 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 that and what's going to make him so interesting going forward in a variety of ways first off he was asked basically okay well why didn't you show up for the OTAs and I've been saying I don't think it's a big deal that he didn't but I'm curious the answer because the answer may dictate how he does things going forward and he is a leader on this team and if other players gravitate or follow his lead maybe other guys don't start showing up for OTAs well most guys are not going to have the opportunities that Chase Young has when it comes to endorsements And he said, flat out, he didn't sugarcoat it. He said, flat out, he was basically busy shooting endorsement deals for eBay and Under Armour. He uh, mentioned the Family Feud uh, appearance that we've seen clips for was mentioned. Or maybe we just see clips, but we saw him with Steve Harvey or him on the set or something. And he mentioned that. I think that was, I really appreciated the honesty of the answer. Not a great answer. I mean, like it's a fun answer and it's the type of thing that down the line, if it's a bigger deal, this is the type of thing that it, it it's a level of honesty you want from the athlete, but it's not the world's best answer as to why if you're going to sort of be um, this guy for, for those reasons. I mean, you could have just, I mean, I'm not suggesting therefore that he should lie because that would be, then, then we lose the honesty of the answer. But it's the type of thing that because he keeps it real and that's part of the appeal of him, he's not caught up in the coach speak or the nuke Lelouch type responses that we get from most people to be honest that's what makes him so dynamic and interesting and at the same point on a the same type of response but something more important probably may not go as well so i i that that was my that was my initial take on on that
1: no i, I kind of agree i mean on the surface it's not what you would want but at the same time you know, he, clar- he clarified his training schedule. You know, he brought that up. He was waking up at 6.30, 7 a.m. to work out. His filming would start at 10. So he'd still get a, you know, a two hour or whatever it was. Who knows how far away that, that the filming was. But he really kind of broke down on what he was working on. He mentioned these toe exercises that he was doing, you know, focusing on his footwork, trying to get faster and more flexible that way. You know, and we see him working out. That's – I think that's what – I was interested to see how Ron Rivera would handle it, right, because, you know, he, he says it's voluntary, but is he going to be mad if, if Chase Young shows up out of shape, which I don't think anyone could say that because he looked pretty good today. And, um, yeah, he just I, – I think they were pleased that he still put the work in, and I think that's what matters. I mean, the only thing that you could say is because Chase Young was a captain – And a lot of people do look to him as a leader now, should the leader be at OTAs, especially when he's the only one not there. But, you know, I think that's reading too much into it. At the same time, these are voluntary. You know, you look around the league and everyone, the the union itself wanted all these guys to skip it. And Chase Young was, he did, and he did have commercials. And it it beats, uh, I don't know if you remember, this might be a little bit of an inside joke, but Zach Brown, do you remember his excuse for missing OTAs, that he was moving? Zach Brown had like a three week long move <laughs> back in the day. So, you know, I, that. I, uh, I will prefer the honesty of filming commercials because I mean, who knows what Zach Brown was actually up to, but the moving doesn't take that long as a guy who recently moved himself.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know if people could hear, but it is big time uh, uh, thunder and lightning outside my house. So, Mother Nature apparently is uh, not happy that I was even remotely questioning. The situation, uh, and Like I said, it, it didn't mention at the top for all the people who have a heart attack over this, the OTAs were voluntary. I'm not suggesting he had to have been there. And like I said, I appreciate the honesty. I'm also being honest and telling you that not everybody's going to tell you the, that this was, it was not the world's greatest answer. And it's a type of thing that may be more interesting down the line, but it's no, I would say, I would phrase like this, him missing OTAs for that reason. Wow. It is a really... Oh, I heard that from my, my end there. Yeah. Wow, it is no joke out here. Um, him missing OTAs, for whatever the reason, not a big deal. Like, not a thing at all. The reasoning, uh, okay, well, I mean, let's he, see.
1: If, if you were in his position, would you just say, I can't
0: film these commercials, I have to be at OTAs, like book another week? I I, look I'm not you know I despite the popularity of the standard room only podcast I'm not getting endorsement offers so I don't know how these things work I mean why couldn't they have been done two months earlier it's not like the the offseason didn't end just now it ended in January so whatever again this will be clear I'm not criticizing him I just think I'm just taking note that the answer was interesting and this is what makes him interesting so here's another example of that I asked Chase Young Hey, Ryan Kerrigan's gone. Morgan Moses is gone to some degree. Whatever you think about that from a player perspective, uh, uh, a, a, a talent perspective an at, at Exodus, it did take away some locker room leaders, right? And you are a guy, Chase Young, who last year took on more of those responsibilities. You were a captain and so on. Do you feel more responsibility to do that now? And the for a lot of people, they would just say, of course, I, I'm, 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 I'm a leader or whatever. He, to that point, said, nah, He said, quote, not necessarily. Last year, I wasn't even looking to take on that leadership role, but I was just being who I was, being vocal and guys follow. That is the same thing I'm going to do this year. I'm going to try and lead by example. That is number one. And he continued to answer. This is the same answer to the previous question. It's not the ideal cookie cutter answer. Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm the, I'm the leader of this team. Look, John Wall said things like that all the time with the Wizards, and yet his actions did not always speak to the leadership role. So just because <laughs> you say these things doesn't mean uh, you, you do it. Chase Young, he is an infectious personality. What Ron Rivera was asked today, what what do you what do you make of his effect, uh, Chase Young's effect on young guys? He said, "quote It's kind of cool watching how the the guys react to people, especially somebody in Chase's situation." And that's what's interesting about Chase Young is that. He's going to speak what he thinks. He isn't caught up yet in the canned answers and worrying about his perception. And that is what makes him so compelling as a, as a guy that people do want to follow because there is a level of, of um, there, is a, there is a strong personality there and there is a level of uh, you know belief that you're really dealing with an actual person, not just some robot, not somebody who's in it for themselves. He's just doing what he does and it works out that people follow him accordingly so i do think the two answers on some level are sort of a, of the same side of the coin he's be, he's into himself and in either case did he give the answer that a pr flack would tell him to give but that's what makes him so interesting
1: i would agree but at the same time look at who chase young looked up to or talked about the most last year it was ryan Kerrigan, and alex smith you know the dudes of the locker room Both of those players, they didn't act like that they were leaders. You know, it's not like, you know, going, switching to Wizards real quick. Russell Westbrook, he always talks about being the leader and he is a leader. You know, I don't think that there's a legitimate knock that he's not, but he loves talking about leadership. He values leadership. And, you know, you look at Alex Smith and Ryan Kerrigan, they weren't really like that. They were leaders, but they didn't really talk overly so about leadership or leadership styles and, and all that sort of thing. They would just kind of roll their eyes or kind of dismiss it. I think Chase Young is kind of the same way, and, you know, that that's perfectly fine. That It's an interesting answer for sure, but it's not something that, you know, I, I see your point more so on uh, should he have said that he was doing commercial shoes? Yeah, okay, There's we can debate that, but um, –
0: yeah, like I said, I don't. I liked his answer, but uh, the, the leadership. But I mean, it was good. It was. It was. It was honest. He didn't give the nonsense. Oh yeah, I'm the leader. I'm going to lead you. Yeah. He he didn't. And also saying like in both cases, he shows off the reasons why people are, are, find him interesting as a person. Forget he's going to get ten sacks or, uh, he, as you pointed out the other day, guys in their second year tend to. Uh, have, have, have bigger sack numbers, and maybe he has some Khalil Mack type breakout. Forget that. I'm just talking about like what makes him so interesting as a person, a personality, uh, and, and and a leader for this team. It's not nothing is forced with him. It's just naturally who he is. That includes saying that he went and he missed OTAs for commercial shoots, and he's not looking to be a leader. He just kind of is a leader, and I think that was all, um, all interesting for sure. Beyond that, I mean, you know. Uh, You know he he looked good on the field, but uh, you know for the defense, I just think it's a little harder to gauge. These guys are not they're not there's no hitting, there's no tackling. You know even if they get in the backfield, they're not taking down the quarterback. But you know he you know he looked to be uh, you know ready to go as one could be at this time um, of of the year. Um, Let's talk about Ryan Fitzpatrick. He is the uh, starting quarterback for the Washington football team, and like Matt Paris, a man with a glorious beard. so today I feel like I had the Ryan Fitzpatrick experience as much as one's going to have it, in OTAs. Uh, I was watching. There was like the, I was at one point we're watching. Um, we were standing sort of on the far end zone, sort of uh, at the middle of the end zone where like the defense is on the far field and the offense is on the near field. And uh, some of the grizzled vets like Matt were more watching the defense. And I was standing there kind of straddling both. And I started to watch, the quarterbacks are thrown to the receivers. That's always a fun thing to watch. It's sort of a tangible thing you can see, you know, the well, where' the ball pass and where, and does the guy catch it? You know, and I was watching Fitzpatrick. And when I say his throws are accurate, like, I mean, like if the receiver held up his hands and in the middle of the hands was like a, a tiny yellow post-it note, the tip of the football was hitting the center of the post-it note. Like it wasn't just a, the ball was thrown to a receiver and it was caught. I mean, it was, incredibly accurate to the point that i was like i'm gonna tweet that his throws are incredibly accurate and then when they went and did 11 on 11 a few minutes later he threw a pass that was not so great a little high i would say i'm being sort of charitable and william jackson uh intercepted the pass and you know that it makes it more notable because it was intercepted rather than just a, a ball that hits the ground and and uh it was sort of, obviously this is all, you know, the, the, the first series of throws were against air and this is not, like I said, a, it's not, it's not a thing to worry about, but it's, a, it's a reminder that Fitzpatrick can look really good. And then within the same minute, have some plays like, Oh, that's what this is about. Got it. And that was uh, I a, mean, it's not like I forgot, but so into the Fitzpatrick talk is he's, so he's a stepper or, or 12 above what they had a quarterback last year, which isn't the same as saying, All their problems are solved. He's clearly going to be an upgrade. And, you know, he he could be potentially really interesting. But the Fitzpatrick experience uh, has the ups and downs. And, and again, it's OTA or it's it's minicamp. It's not that big of a deal. But it was just a reminder today for me uh, of of what we'll probably experience on some level.
1: Yeah, what was interesting about the interception, too, it wasn't in your typical gung-ho Fitzpatrick style. It wasn't him targeting a guy that he shouldn't have. It just seemed kind of like he flicked it. And I don't know if he just like wasn't set footwork wise or kind of just threw it too strong, but it wasn't like a, Oh boy, I really need to make a play here. So I'm going to force it. It just kind of happened in the flow of things. So, you know, from that standpoint, it's not overly concerning. I'm sure. And and you never know with these things, especially in OTAs, maybe they're just trying throws to see if they can actually pull that off. in in the weeks to come, but you know, I guess he learned a hard lesson this way because the defense was really fired up after that throw. They all ran back with him and it wasn't a pick six or anything like that, but they were all, you know, anytime the defense gets an interception, they're all pretty fired up. But yeah, I think William Jackson was pretty happy to, to get that one off. And-
0: yeah, for sure. I, I, I have to say like, you know, if people want to know how do they look and all that, and I, I, I will say I'm excited to get th- this will be the most, well, I guess I was going to I'm a, am I excited for preseason games. I guess I don't know if I if I can go that far, but I'm excited to actually see this in action because Fitzpatrick isn't just a Alex Smith won games, but it wasn't, the, forget, I'm not talking about the injury, but even the healthy version of Alex but it wasn't the most thrilling or exciting version. Fitzpatrick is going to be a show and should be really interesting to watch and potentially help them win a bunch of games. And, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see it get going. Right now, if we're just being, we're not even being teased. This is, this is nothing, you know nothing that nothing that much is happening other than just like watching him complete. Like i said throw accurate passes and do some good things but um the the, the full experience is going to be quite quite the show um indeed Did you have any other quarterback takes before we move on to something else uh, I'll, I'll you can talk about any any aspect of the quarterback or we can just move on
1: no not so much the quarterback so let's move on i would just say like of who looks good, who doesn't. What I use OTAs for is just kind of where guys are lined up. Like, the Chase Everett was with the first team today. Troy Aptey, I guess, is a cornerback now. Who knows? <laughs> but, like, John Bosick wasn't out there. So it's like, oh, yeah, they signed David Mayo. Like, let's see how he looks. He was running with the second team and the medal there. So just, just stuff like that. What can these guys do? Where are they lining up? That's kind of what I
0: use OTAs for. Right, so no Curtis Samuel today. He was dealing with this, the groin injury last week, and looks like it's still bothering him. Uh, John Bostic, Jimmy Moreland, J.D. McKissick, none of them were there. They all had some form of excused um, absence, whatever that means. Um, on the side field, there was a couple of players of note. James Smith Williams was over there. Don't know what was going on there, but um, you know, as we talk about the defensive line. Scenario where where you know we don't quite know who the backups behind Chase Young and Montez Sweat will be. I did notice uh, William Bradley King. I, I, I caught him a couple different times, making you know getting into the backfield and and, and just yeah. To your point of like where do guys line up and just sort of who catches your eye. Again, there's only so much you can see from the defensive guys, but he seemed to stand out to me um, a little bit there. Um, let me ask you this. Let's go to the offensive line. I'm going to ask you a question. And be like Chase Young and give me your honest answer. Okay, How many open position battles are on the offensive line happening right now? Two, left guard and right tackle.
1: And maybe you won, depending on how you feel about Cornelius Lucas over Sam Cosney. But I think in training camp, we'll we'll see that actually rotate a bit more. It really hasn't rotated at all so far yet, but I could see them giving Sam Cosney one, reps with the ones uh, as it goes along, but right now it's particularly Lucas's spot. But at left guard, there is legitimate rotation. Sometimes it's Flowers, sometimes it's Schweitzer, depending on the day. So definitely left guard. I would say ninety-five percent yes. Right tackle, and then left tackle, center, right guard. Those are all pretty much set.
0: Right, and I agree. You know, you know, circle gets the square, or I don't know something. Trying to think some game show terminology there matt got that one correct and i only mentioned it because i guess i'm feeling like uh, feeling some sense of like people were acting like the left tackle is is, is up for and play it no i mean unless unless charles leno were to completely fall on his face or something were to happen he's going to be the left tackle um now granted he, it's not like he signed for crazy money but he he didn't come here to be in a into to, to to, to not start to be in a, to be in, in, in up for debate. And obviously he's been a proven guy. And also they, they released Morgan Moses in part because of this now they're different sides of the line, but I, you know, I don't, I don't think they're doing that. I mean, if, you know, but anyway, I just mentioned that because the, I guess I feel like there's been some notion of, of maybe more than that. um I asked Rivera today about the left guard battle because, you know, Schweitzer has been getting the reps at the ones, but at the same point they just traded for flowers who was the starter here before and hadn't heard so much about it. And, and here's part of what Rivera's answer. He did basically ignored my question and just sort of talked about the line. Um, in general, he says that Chase Rie and Brandon Scherf, he kind of just said, yeah, but, you know, we, we know what's going on there. He said, Cornelius Lucas came back in great shape with a great f- frame of mind, ready to compete on the right side. Sam Cosme, a guy we drafted, has done a pretty solid job there. I like what we're getting from Wes and Eric at the left guard spot. Uh, a left guard position that's outstanding and left tackle has been solid with Charles Leno getting in there um, and getting an opportunity to work. Um, he says also added, we throw Sadiq Charles in there once in a while, etc., cetera, et cetera, So I, I'm only mentioning that because yeah, there's two battles. There's the left guard and the right tackle. There's not another battle, but what is also note is Sadiq Charles keeps getting work at left tackle. And because you have the two guys going at left guard, like they're the first and second team. And because you have other, you know, there's other players on the line. I mean, you have your Tyler Larson, to keep Ismails and Wes Martin's of the world. Like they're the interior guys. Sadiq Carroll basically kind of has to play outside if, just to get everybody enough work. But also I think he's, I think he's a tackle. Like, I think they want to play him at guard, but like, let's play this out. Charles Leno's on a one-year deal. Um Brandon Scherf is. Oh, it's Cornelius Lucas. Right. I mean, a lot of these guys are. Um, so we don't know what's going to happen. Sam Cosby might end up as the left tackle, but like, you know, I think like I, I, I guess I would just say like, they keep saying Charles could play either spot, which seems reasonable, but if you can play either spot, you're going to play tackle unless you're just that much better at guard unless, or the yeah. you know, Leno stays, Sheriff leaves and you guard. So I, I, there's no competition to tackle, but I, you know, kind of feels like Charles might, I mean, I guess if Len, if Leno got actually hurt, I guess you could just move Lucas to left tackle and, sh- and shove Cosme in the right tackle. And that could be your deal. But um, anyway, I don't even know what I'm saying, but I guess I'm just saying there's two position battles and it's not, one of them is not left tackle.
1: Yeah. I will say that I think city Charles has, you know, surprised, quote unquote of this, because we did expect him to be a guard and he looked, he played very few snaps, but he looked pretty physical and imposing when actually lined up next to chase really compared to on the outside. So you, you saw kind of what they saw, what they were intrigued by, like, wow, this guy's really big. He's fast, Well, let's put him on the inside and he can bully people there. But now that he is holding that, now that he's, they slid him back to the left side, he's holding his own. You know, I think he actually looks pretty good, Like, you know, it's hard to tell there's really no contacts so far yet, but It it seems pretty steady. Now, they did have to keep him out last week because of injury, kind of load management, and David Sharp got the reps there. But, yeah, it seems like the four tackles, at least, you know, will be Lucas, Cosme, um, Leno, and and Charles. So, you know, I don't know if David Sharp makes the roster, but that would be an option as well
0: um completely random question as i mentioned it's pouring rain it's too it's getting late and i'm probably not going um sorry about that uh so i I mentioned it's raining here it's getting kind of late i probably won't order food but if i did and it's pouring rain a is that rude to the delivery person just to even order the food and if i did if i let's just say for argument's sake i would leave a five dollar tip on my standard order do i have to go double that when it's pouring rain
1: yeah you would have to probably double it
0: double it okay uh, th- th- this is why i come to you for advice
1: or at least like
0: you know if you're tipping 20 percent normally 30 percent, yeah something like that all right I, I, I just want to double check is it rude to even like no like i'm putting this whoever this person is gonna i'm making them get wet is that just rude off the bat
1: yeah especially
0: since it's like 10 o'clock well, that's, look, we don't have to, we're not really discussing. That's why I'm not going to do it to discuss my dietary options. That that was a different, look, I, I've had, I've had a long day. Um, you know, comfort food can sometimes help. Um, all right. Anything else to discuss before I let you get back to your life? Any, uh, you know, any, we, we, we mentioned a couple of guys, um, a couple you mentioned a couple of position battles or not battles but just some guys who were playing in 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 different spots i will just know cam sims continues to be the essentially the second receiver with um curtis samuel out adam humphreys was in the slot today they were using some two and three tight end sets with john bates and samus reyes up there the samus reyes thing is sort of odd to me that they keep throwing him with the ones ever but whatever they're throwing him in the deep end and i guess they'll just uh See, uh, see what happens. Um, but anyway, anything else of note before I uh, before I let you go?
1: Yeah, no, just the way that the receiver thing is shaking out, just kind of the order of it. It's you know we're not really seeing so much competition everywhere. Like uh, for right now during OTAs, the line will stay the line, and then the next line will come in that sort of stuff. But receivers, it's the opposite. They even the guys who are the ones like Terry McLaurin and Cam Sims right now, or Kurt Terry McLaurin and Cam, or and Curtis Samuel, when he was healthy, they keep rotating these guys constantly. So like, you know, um, Antonio Gandy-Golden and, you know, pickers Steven Sims or whoever will will be giving first team quote unquote reps, the have Ryan Fitzpatrick throwing in the ball. So I think that just is trying to get that chemistry down in case there's any injuries there, but. With the receivers, I'm just kind of interested to see where Antonio Gandy-Golden fits because I really have no clear answer right now because is he your sixth receiver? We've seen him kind of doing special teams work. Like, just will he make the roster? I I couldn't say that with absolute certainty right now.
0: Wow. Hope the aggregators get a hold of that line. Um, I mean, yeah, I am in mean, absolute certainty. I don't know. I guess I would be...
1: I would be surprised if he didn't make it. I just don't know his role.
0: Yeah, no, it's tough. I mean, we discussed, I mean, you know, Kelvin Harmon, Stephen Sims, uh, Dax Milne, Isaiah Wright. I mean, all those guys I just said in the normal years would be people that we would say, oh, they're, you know, in the mix for a roster spot. And here it's kind of like, uh, are they? I don't don't know. By the way, I will just note that um, DeAndre Carter, who last week, you know, Ron Rivera mentioned specifically as, you know, one of the punt return candidates, which is right, result, But it's kind of, again, like, well, how is he fitting in? He's a receiver by nature. He did, at least on one play that I saw, get some reps with the ones. Again, no Curtis Samuel today, but he was out there with the ones at one point, which is only to note not that he's going to be the starting receiver, but it is to note if you're going to put somebody out there that high in the rotation, you are taking a longer look at them, and it isn't just being a returner. Like, Like, you know, where else do you fit in? So I think that's at least of note because part of my questioning with the returners, whereas all the people around Rivera said, I wouldn't project almost any of them to make the roster. So um, at least, at least worth noting on that. Uh, Matt definitely appreciated. Go read him on, of course, on the Washington times, go follow him on Twitter at Matthew underscore Paris. Um, all right. Now I'm going to talk to M- Matt. does a yeoman's work on the wizards as well, but I got to go to my guy, Fred Katz who's our Wizards reporter here on The Athletic. We're going to talk about the Wizards offseason, what to consider here on the Standard Room Only podcast. All right, the tables have turned. Fred Kat is in my podcast. Uh, we're going to talk about the Wizards. And we're going to talk about the offseason, but like literally like five minutes ago, we're talking on Tuesday night, uh, Fred tweeted that he just looked, took a closer look at the MVP and NBA MVP voting that Nikola Jokic uh, won, which is was to be expected. Not expected, the person who came in, oh, not one, not first, not second, not third, but 11th place, that would be Russell Westbrook? Because apparently he got a third place vote. Uh, Fred, you're the only person I know who, I, well, I guess you're the only person I know who votes for, the, for these things, but you're a person who does, who covers the Wizards. Would you like to reveal yourself that you were the one that voted for Westbrook for third? And if so... Does the Athletic do drug testing?
2: <laughs> if the Athletic, if any, uh, I should say, any journalism entity do dr- drug testing, I, I think that entity might be in trouble. Uh, um, I, uh, I did not vote for Russell Westbrook. Unfortunately, I didn't vote for Derrick Rose either. Derrick Rose got a first place vote. He did what? Derek Rose, someone I don't know who the the voters are revealed.
0: Yes, I do like they're that. just it's- not
2: revealed upon. They're they're revealed once all the awards are revealed, and then they they reveal the voters for each individual one. So eventually, we will know who voted for Derek Rose number one, and it's it's a good thing that there should be accountability with the voters. I. I like eighty percent like that they release the voters' names and twenty percent dislike it. I I I dislike it just because I think it pressures people into groupthink. Sure. I think people are are really scared of of I think people might have an a, an educated strong opinion and then back away from what they might think because of potential internet backlash, or just you know offhand comments about them doing drugs because they put Russell Westbrook third. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mostly I mostly like it. There needs to be voting accountability, and uh, you know we'll we'll find out. We'll find out who did it in, in not too long. I don't know I remember, when, but at some point,
0: I'm pretty sure we said it. I said at some point on one on your podcast or who knows where. But like that Westbrook surge at the end of the year may end up costing Beal whatever hope he had of being all NBA because some people may. Throw Westbrook a vote or two there. It was already going to be a tougher Beal just because it's such a deep group and and you know the, all that. I wasn't <laughs> contemplating that somebody would think Westbrook was so good that he warranted a third place MVP third. Like not right. I, I, so
2: if so if he's third for MVP, presumably he's at least he's at, le- at worst second team All NBA if you're third for MVP. Presumably,
0: uh. Yeah, because even if the top, even if your first two were guards, then it would be, you know, yeah, whoever voted for him third would at worst put him second. Yeah, put him second team on be at worst.
2: Every once in a while, you get a tremendous mishmash of of like, you're like, wow, someone voted for Westbrook third. Wow, somebody put Derrick Rose first. Every once in a while, you just get a heavenly ballot where it's the same ballot. It's, it's just the same dude who's putting Rose first and and Westbrook third. Um, that has happened before. We'll see. But, yeah, if you have Westbrook there, then he's he's obviously on an all-NBA team. And if he's on an all-NBA team, then, uh, you know, Beal probably is not. Like, yeah, I think that's a real thing.
0: Er- er- earlier today, I was reading some article about the, uh, somewhere in Australia they discovered, like, i think it was like the largest dinosaur fossil or something i don't know and i only bring that up because fred was just drinking a glass of water and it reminded me of the scene in jurassic park where like there's a water and like all and all of a sudden the, because the dinosaurs are moving the water starts to uh shake And so in my head i was like "Ooh, i hope there's not a dinosaur where fred is because that water is about to uh he's, about to start he's, moving. G-
2: he's gonna do to me what that uh what that crazy neck dinosaur did to newman oh poor newman
0: hey look <laughs> you know when you're doing shady stuff you know shit's gonna happen
2: that that's the best scene in that movie newman just getting wrecked in the suv i saw that movie whatever that, dinosaur that was
0: th- there was a movie theater here unfortunately it, it uh it was it was a uh casually of this last year uh the uptown theater in dc it was the classic place in town like where if, if you had a hollywood premiere of a movie it would be at that place old school it had a balcony just Huge screen, and it was the place you went to watch the the blockbuster movies. And I saw like the midnight showing of Jurassic Park the first day it came out. And not too many times I've ever been really but like, blown away by a movie that was off the charts. I mean, the idea of uh, it's one thing robots, blah blah blah, but dinosaurs. Like if you would, I, it looked real to me, I know I, I think it wasn't. I'm not positive. I think it was not real, but it looks it looks it looked pretty real. I was like, wow, that is that is the movie magic right there.
2: That dinosaur actually got a fourth place MVP vote. <laughs> it was, <laughs> it was crazy. I didn't even see him on the drop down menu.
0: Yeah, that's, disp- that's, despite, that's, that's despite not having much of a wingspan.
2: <laughs> <laughs> do all? Oh my god, that's that's horrible. Do do all dinosaurs have bad wingspans, or is that just the T Rex thing? Yeah, probably. Like I guess the, the Velociraptors have really bad wingspans, which I guess is somewhat ironic because the Raptors are a major r- wingspan team with that like Siakam and Ananobi and
0: yeah but by the way just to put a wrap on this Westbrook got a third place vote. I'm not saying LeBron James warranted anything but he got a fifth so just to be clear like even in the world where like LeBron is like can do no wrong he Westbrook got a higher vote than LeBron so
2: it's because he averages triple double sure I'm sure I'm sure it's because he averages triple double
0: sure well we'll see we'll, we'll see what happens all right so uh, Westbrook Westbrook, the one thing we know for sure about Westbrook is he'll be back on the Wizards next year, um, unless this third-place vote somehow has some team rethinking the, the idea of, of uh, a, a trade for 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 him or or for, or for the Wizards. Uh, but we've got to talk about the offseason. Fred's done a lot of that, of course, on his Wizards After Dark podcast. Um, and, and I don't want to get into necessarily the same stuff, but it's going to be some rehash to a degree. But Fred just wrote an article on The Athletic sort of laying out the basic scenario of where the wizards are at i'll do my best to not step on that go read that of course subscribe to the athletic i, I will allow you to subscribe to through fred's article but just as one time um I so the, i want to get to certain aspects of it but i, I do want to get to the coach thing though i, I don't look at we're not going to go through the whole litany of, we're not going to relitigate Scott Brooks. He's at this point, he's the coach or he's not the coach. The season's a year old. They haven't a week, sorry, a year old. Um, The season's like a week old or so. They haven't made a decision. We're talking, I said, Tuesday night, we haven't, They haven't announced any decision at least. So he'll be the coach or he won't. I I think I said at, at the time, it made good PR sense to not immediately say he's staying. You at least want to give the allure of thinking, but the fact that it keeps going on, I don't know. It's kind of weird. Either A, they're thinking about, you know, they haven't made a decision. They're thinking about other things. And it doesn't show much confidence. Like what else do you need to know? He's been here five years. You're making him your coach or, 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 or or you're not, but, but, but here's my, my, my concern for here. You know, they took, I I always say three months. How long did they take on the GM search? It was like two months. I mean, three months. Well, it was three months. Okay.
2: Yeah. They, they fired Ernie on April 2nd. I want to say it was the first week of April and Tommy
0: made the picks as the interim.
2: Tommy made the picks as the interim. Tommy was not officially announced as the GM until after free agency. It was actually more than three months that he was the interim.
0: Right. So, okay. Um, So here's my thing. You know, I, I'm typically of a football brain and in football, the draft is seven rounds. So, and you've got an offense and a defense that are separate. You know, the the players are independent here. Obviously, players go both ways. Um, And you more or less have just the one round. The second round is a total flyer. But regardless, you would like to think that logically the player you are going to pick will be in line with whatever it is the head coach is going to do. And in turn, the head coach would have some say in the pick. Now, maybe it's look, this is not criticism of Scott Brooks. Any head coach is not watching college basketball, especially in this crazy year where they were playing every other day and you know all that stuff. So I, I I doubt that Scott Brooks is, is completely aware of any of the prospects that they could possibly get, which is totally fine. But the, the draft is now in what, six weeks, seven weeks, free agency starts right after that. You would think that you need to, at some point here, start determining what you're going to do. Now they're picking, they're going to have the 15th pick, right? So they are not in a position to know definitively what they'll be staring at, but obviously you have some idea, you know? you can probably write off Cade Cunningham, probably don't have to worry too much about him. the, the, the presumptive first pick of the draft or one of the guys going to be picked up for pretty high. Um, do, like, and I feel like when you look at like the Troy Brown thing, we can debate whether he should have been the 15th pick, but what I will, but there should be no debate about is that he never made sense for this head coach. So like, if we're going to go th- like, fine, if they want to take their time and all this stuff, shouldn't they be like determining who, who the coach is so they know what they're actually thinking about? And not just for that, but for free agency, and even if I tell you, well, it's six weeks away, eight weeks away, uh, who gives a crap? Time's running out. They got to get better. So, and which is like sort of the point of your article, there's only so much that they can do. They need to study all they can. So, I mean, I'm a little, I, I just feel like, you know, okay, take their time, whatever, but like, let's go. You need to be on the same page. And if it is a new coach, well, then what is that coach is thinking about anything? So I, I do think it's important that they get going here. We can't just sit here and, 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 and linger until until forever, like they did the last time. Uh, because it is a little bit different than last time. You, who I don't know who the coach is, and even if it is Brooks, then what's his involvement in this?
2: I think you might be waiting for a minute. My, my, ink. I would be surprised if any decision either way came about a head coach anytime, like super soon. I can't. I can't tell you what super soon is, but yeah, I like. Th- I will, don't think will we know who is- voted
0: for Russell Westbrook before <laughs> before we have a code. You know,
2: that's a great question because I don't know when the NBA is releasing the full list of voters either. So it's 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 a true hypothetical in which I have, have not enough information to answer either question and yet I have I to most, answer both. That's how I live most of the yeah my so, life, so I'm gonna say we, we find out who voted for Russell Westbrook third for MVP before we find out who the Wizards head coach in 2021-22 is going to be. That's my guess. All right. Well, and if I'm wrong, don't care. It's a ridiculous premise. So I'm fine with it.
0: Right. Plus, this um, isn't your podcast. This isn't, this isn't like canon. Yeah. Like, you know, what, whatever you're <laughs> saying over here really doesn't matter. Nobody's, you know, who's, who, who, whatever.
2: Right. This is it like, didn't really uh, happen. I'm like, in Wizards podcasting purgatory right now. This is, this is the play-in tournament of Wizards podcasts. How, how I'm, I'm fine. Oh, there it is a- <laughs> um so okay that's all right the wizards after dark is the exhibition season it could be worse
0: <laughs> this is like the mid season tournament yeah. um so uh okay so i
2: you make, make you make you make a valid point though it's it's a valid point you you would hope uh there is some amount of process going on just because there's not official word that on a decision on brooks doesn't mean they've necessarily made one You know, I think it's, I think it's very plausible they end up bringing him back. I think it's totally possible that he ends up back as the coach next year, even though, obviously, his contract has expired. I think he could, he could sign a new one with the Wizards, and it wouldn't surprise me at all if that were the case. Uh, You know, I think there could be process going on behind the scenes, uh, in that regard. And if he ends up coming back, it's, it's probably something, that you know, they, they, the very least they'd have a pretty good idea of right now, but you're right. And it's, and it's important to bring that sort of context up when you talk about the timing of all of this, because when you look at the GM search from 2019, which took three and a half months and the issue with it taking that long, look, they ended up hiring. I think you could combat that point. If you want to argue against us, you can combat that point by saying, Well, the guy who they hired was the guy running it all along anyway. So how big of a deal is it whether his title is interim GM or full-time GM? I don't think that's a terrible point. But first of all, when a guy's interim GM, he just doesn't have the power and authority that he does when he is a full-time GM. That's just the way it works. I think part of it was that they were uh it took a while to get this entire restructuring of the organization set up because remember tommy shepherd is not your conventional general manager he works alongside daniel medino who came in to run medical and Sashi brown who came in to run more operational stuff and it's a it is a unique to the mba organizational structure in their front office in which those three guys each have their own vertical and they each run their own vertical and None works for the other one. They're, they're all kind of adjacent to each other in the organizational hierarchy. And, uh, you know, it took a little time to set that up. But ultimately, when you don't have the infrastructure set up, you miss out on an off season. For example, one of the big things that they implemented after they hired Tommy Shepard and one of the big passion projects that Tommy Shepard has set up in this organization over the past couple of years is the Wizards didn't have a pro personnel scouting department before he took over. This is kind of getting into the weeds. They had some scouts, but they didn't have a full pro personnel scouting department. They actually had actually a really tiny front office under Ernie Grunfeld. Not very many people, not very many divisions. And pro personnel scouting is something that's really risen in the NBA over the last 10 years. And and Tommy Shepard really wanted to get in on it. So we hired this guy, Johnny Rogers, who now runs their pro personnel uh, scouting department. He hired him away from the Clippers who came over, you know, rave reviews from the Clippers. Everybody there loved him and you know, everybody with the Wizards has raved about the job that he's done. But because Tommy wasn't hired until the end of July full time, that pro personnel scouting department didn't get get going and underway until August, a month after free agency happened. And that's what you need your pro personnel department for. So your pro personnel really couldn't make an impact in terms of Acquiring players who are going to make a difference on your roster, that pro personnel department, because it didn't get its footing until August because of the three and a half month timeline took to to get your front office set up at the top. uh, That means that they couldn't really have that pro personnel department, the Johnny Rogers department, with all the other scouts that they brought in to work under him as well. They couldn't get that going and have, make an actual impact on the way that they did their process and their player acquisition process until, I guess, the trade deadline of 2020. And then their first offseason they were working together was the last year offseason. They missed the whole offseason running an organization the way that they would have preper- preferred to do it. And those are the tiny little nuances in which the timeline matters. Um, so, So the timeline does matter. We'll, we'll see what they decide. It's been five years of Brooks. I have to imagine that whatever you believe on Brooks now is probably whatever you're going to believe on Brooks whenever a decision is announced about him. If you like him now, you probably like him then. If you don't like him now, you probably don't like him then. I can't imagine what could possibly change in the next 24 hours or 24 days or two months or whatever, I can't imagine how an opinion on Brooks as a wizards coach could change because he was a coach for five years in any direction. So I imagine they, they have a pretty good idea on what they're going to do with Brooks right now, even though we, as the public aren't hundred percent sure of it yet. And um, you know, we'll see what ends up happening there, but you're right. The timeline, the timeline is important and there are trickle down effects from the timeline that are more important than just uh, you know, who is, you know, who is your head coach. You know, you you got an assistant coaching staff to fill out. And even if Brooks comes back, I I think, you know, I wouldn't be shocked if if, uh, you know, an assistant coach came in or an assistant coach went out or something like that. That kind of movement happens all the time in the NBA. And so there, are are always corresponding moves. So I'm with you. If you know what you're going to do, dragging your feet is rarely the preferred way to go about it.
0: Yeah. And also, it just doesn't look like you You, it's a combination of like, it doesn't look like you know what you're doing or you don't have a lot of confidence in what you're doing. And I, and I do get frustrated in the world that we live in, where, where people talk with a lot of confidence. And even if they do it in a, in a right way, people will buy in to what they're saying, even if what they're saying is utter nonsense. And if you go back and look at what they say or even in real time, you could notice. But at the same time, there is something to be said for giving the look of, hey, this is our plan. We're, we're excited to have Scott Brooks back you know that we think we we like the way that fin- the team finished at the end of the year in the two years where he had two all-star level players we did pretty well Where the other years there were injuries whatever things were, were, were we weren't as good we're gonna f- focus on those whatever but when you wait like what are you hey <laughs> what do what is what is the wait? get going portland's made a move Orla- uh, Sh- uh, orlando's made a move okay but anyway so yeah so so there's celtics too the, the, the Celtics, um, yes, all all of that. Which is
2: why I say the longer it takes before we know anything means probably better news than not for Brooks. That's my inclination for that exact reason.
0: If, from, from a perception of, or from an angle of, I don't want to say weakness, but from an angle of this is all just performative performance art to some degree yes if there was an actual contemplative aspect to this then i would say the longer this goes it is worse for him because they're not buying into it but if this is just um and for you know again if you've listened to i'm sure i've said this on this podcast or i certainly have on fred's um you know, I'm a going, I'm going to, if you make me bet, I would bet he's back just based on everything, the way the season ended, the whole Westbrook stuff. I don't want to get into it all that again, but that would be my sense. So to that end, I agree with what Fred's saying. I'm just saying, if you're actually thinking about it, then it's not great.
2: So what you're saying is I'm not actually thinking about it.
0: No, you, you are a deep thinker. You, it's like, you know, You know. people think name deep thinkers. It's like Confucius, Phil Jackson, Fred Katz, some in some some, like you get my third place deep thinker vote.
2: and and whoever uh, voted that dinosaur fourth for MVP
0: <laughs> Yes. whoever voted that dinosaur fourth for MVP. Um, all right l- l- let's switch off the coach enough, enough of him. Um, th- all right so let's let's take this from the optimistic per- per- view. The Wizards, it appears they want to keep Bradley Beale. That's not breaking news, but everything continues to be in the direction that that's what they want to do. And at this point, there's no indication that Bradley Beale's changed his opinion, which has been he wants to stay here and, and try to get this thing done. Fine. Uh, you, you have Beale, you have Westbrook, you know, they have Rui Hachimura, Daniel Gafford. They're going to have to, you know, get some pieces in free agency it was part of what you talked about. Um, in your story that, you know, if they don't bring back Robin Lopez, they'll have that sort of mid, 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 mid-level exception slot to, to play around with. It may be their best hope. Maybe there's a trade they can do something with, whatever. Okay. L- l- let's take this from the optimistic viewpoint, though, of like, if the, whatever this thing is going to be, it's going to be on the backs of Beal and Westbrook, right? Westbrook, whatever, uh, <laughs> I, this third place vote cracks me up, but whatever Westbrook is, that he's hit the ceiling, okay? I mean, which is a, a very high ceiling. But he's hit he's hit that Beale is still ascending, right? 20 27 turns 28 later this month. Um uh so um by the way, I I, I don't remember anybody's birthday, I don't remember your birthday, I don't know anybody's birthday, but I, I'll know Bradley Beals forever because his he his he was his birthday was the day he was drafted, and I wrote the story for the associated press last night. And I'm sure that was my lead and my some hokey lead I wrote in that way. So I'll always know what his birthday is. But here's what I don't know. I don't know is where Bradley Beal ranks on, on a list now of the best players in the league. And I say that because on the one hand, it feels like he keeps going up the list, right? He He's only been getting better. He, he you know, finished second in scoring in the league um, th- this year, you know. On an individual level, he just continues to get better as a scorer. Yeah, we can quibble about some other aspects of his game, but he is ascending, right? And we don't know, you know, I don't, I think it's reasonable to say he's never going to catch, he's never going to get a, become a first tier uh, guy who's going to be the the best player on a title team, but he continues to get better. However, here's my question if you think that he's going up higher on the list that the next time somebody makes this list and says, where's Bradley bill? Is he in the top 10, top 15? I mean, maybe he could be right. But so much of that isn't, isn't necessarily based on the individual talent. It's based on the narratives and the perception around them. And here's my question. Did he just get passed by Trey young and Devin Booker because those two guys just won a first round series and were the best players on teams that did it? I mean, Devin Booker has more help than Bradley Beal prior to this year you know he had a career that was a lot of like yeah okay he's, he's clearly a good player but the team doesn't get anywhere well whatever he got more help and whatever happened he had what 46 47 points against the Lakers in game six LeBron James was on the court that, that counts for something and then you have Trey Young who you know Atlanta had a major surge this year he was the best player and they went in whatever the Knicks are you know fun story Der- I mean look Derrick Rose MVP candidate um, he went in and uh, they won that series right again. I'm not saying the Knicks or nobody was viewing the Knicks as a title contender, but he did win there. And at the moment we're talking, they won game one against the Sixers.
2: And he, and he wrecked them. He, he didn't. It's not like the Hawks just beat the Knicks and Trey Young had a flawed series and they squeaked by him in seven and Julius Randall got hurt. And it's like, no, Trey Young was a killer in that series. He was awesome in that series. And they wrecked the Knicks right so
0: i guess i'm just like if you're gonna try to sell the idea that you're building around beal and westbrook and you know this is where you're going okay fine let's take that for face value is bradley beal and by the way let's just add to devin booker's resume he didn't just do this he did the bubble last year bradley beal didn't go to the bubble devin booker did and phoenix won every single game they played and then went from that to this, so Devin Booker two off seasons in or two playoffs in a row. Uh, well, I guess I don't know. I guess the bubble wasn't really the playoffs, but you know what I mean. Two yeah, something, prom- yeah. Two prominent national situations that we were all paying attention to. Devin Booker has played very well, so I'm going to assume that on the next time there's lists, both of those guys are ahead of Bradley Beal, even though Bradley Beal continued to ascend. And I only make that point while these lists are irrelevant as to whether the Wizards are going to win anything. It's relevant from the standpoint of, okay, if we're going to say the Wizards are ascending and they're going to contend and they're going to be a whatever seed somebody wants to tell us, well, okay, but now the guy we're saying is the best player maybe isn't even going to be viewed as high as people might assume when you actually look at kind of everybody else.
2: Yes. No, I think that's fair. If you talk about the perception, I think those guys might just be higher than Beal on the list. I don't know if Trey Young will be. I think people still kind of harp on his defense and 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 I'm not ruling out a situation where you know Trey Young gets to a point in the playoffs where his defense becomes very apparent to onlookers and you know Philadelphia all of a sudden starts picking on him play after play, which is something the Knicks just didn't do whether because they didn't have the personnel or because they didn't choose to do it for whatever reason they didn't do it. And so I'm not ruling out a scenario in which Philly all of a sudden just starts putting Trey Young and pick and roll after pick and roll and then starts taking advantage of him with their size and all of that. And that could be a problem for Atlanta. Um, and, and that's going to change the perception of him. With Booker, I mean, Booker's just – Booker is awesome. I think if I were putting something together, I think I would still have Beal ahead of him – just barely if you look at the advanced numbers on booker it's really interesting and it's a very similar thing to bill they're not just similar stylistically in terms of the way they play uh you know their games obviously have a ton of similarities their skill sets are extremely similar uh you know obviously they play the same position uh they they also have kind of a similar thing where where the advanced a lot of the advanced numbers don't pin Beal as a tippy tippy top player as high as you would think they would and with Booker that's the case but even more to the extreme a lot of the advanced numbers are like more unfriendly to Booker than any other all-star in the entire league it's all of them every single one of them it's uh you know the all-encompassing ones to to other ones it's 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 kind of wild um how those pin him and how they compare to the eye test. Now I think, I think Booker is great, but I, I think there's a little bit of red flags, not the right word. Cause he's, cause I think he's great. And I think he's a deserving all-star and he's been incredible in the playoff run. but it's just like, you know, when you're talking about guys who are that, that similar, I think you need a tiebreaker somewhere. And I think that, that is, you know, as good of one as as any. But but you're right. In terms of the perception, in terms of like, what have you done for me lately? Well, what Bradley Beal has done lately is he's been on three consecutive teams that have had losing records. And what Devin Booker has done lately is he just dropped 47 on the Lakers in an elimination game and then was awesome in game one. And who knows what Phoenix is going to do. I think they're going to win that Denver series. Denver is banged up. Phoenix is really good. They were consistently one of the most balanced teams, offense and defense, all year. DeAndre Ayton looks awesome. Mikael Bridges looks awesome. They defend. Uh, Jay Crowder has been tremendous for them. Their bench is good. Cameron Payne has all of a sudden become one of the best point guards in the I NBA. Mean, they were the
0: two seed, right? I mean, regardless of whatever else that the Lakers, Anthony Davis, or whatever, they were the two seed in in the in the Western Conference. It could be good. They weren't just. They didn't just lucky to be make the playoffs. They didn't just pull off an upset. They were the two seed and they did stomp the Lakers. I mean, again, Anthony Davis or whatever LeBron uh, until LeBron James retires. Everybody is afraid of that guy. And they went in there and won that. So he and he was the the, the main force in in, at least in the end to to do it. So, uh, yeah.
2: And I thought I thought Chris Paul was their best player during the regular season. I really did. But but, you know, Booker's been their best player during the playoffs.
0: All right, so so to so to that end, like again, we don't know what the wizards are going to look like. We don't know who the coach is going to be. We don't know who what what other players will be on the roster. You've already sort of pointed out in your article that with about eight guys or so currently on the roster, they're already at like a hundred and I want say fourteen million, give or take. So they don't have a ton of wiggle room already. And just to be clear, that includes Chandler Hutchinson, who you know realistically is he may be in the regular season rotation, but it, to this point, in his career, you know they got a guy for the deal, but we won't quibble, but uh, you know, I don't necessarily can't say that he's a player. And look, Denny Avdia was a first round pick who started most of the year, but in a realistic sense, you know, he's a guy you still need to develop and bring along. So it's not like that's a guy that's a proven piece. So everything else is like that. They still need more. So with that said, nobody's going to, you know, even if Atlanta loses the next four games to Philly, nobody is going to say the wizards are better than Atlanta. Right. I mean, the, you know, even if you extrapolate what the Wizards did at the end of the year, over seventy-two games, nobody's going to say that. Uh We'll see what the you Knicks. You could
2: do the same thing with Atlanta. If you're extrapolating the end of the year for the Wizards, <laughs> right, you extrapolate they... the end of the year for Atlanta, who we went like twenty-seven and eleven to close the year. Right. So, they were right. They were
0: great. I mean, and you know, so then the Knicks. You know, we'll see what they do. But look, Tom Thibodeau wins. He and
2: extrapolate the end of the year for the Knicks, who finished the Wizards finished seventeen and six. Well, Guess what? The Knicks finished seventeen and five. By so. The...
0: By the way, I'm going to call this episode of the podcast "Extrapolate," <laughs> or or dinosaurs. One of the or one of the two. Um, so okay, so so there's that. Now, obviously, like at the very top, you got the Sixers, you got the Nets, you got the Bucks. Again, the the Bucks. Good lord, what's going on with them? But okay, they're the teams that everybody's gonna. They'll be at the top of the East, presumably again. I just mentioned the Hawks and the Knicks. Miami is always competitive. We'll see what 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 Pat Riley can do at a minimum. You got Jimmy Butler and Bam. Um, you know, and we'll see what else they. They, they, they do look the Celtics, obviously a lot of changes going on there. We don't know who their coach is going to be. And Brad Stevens in the front office is new and different, but you still have Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown at a minimum. Um uh, You know, look, the Indiana Pacers, obviously the Wizards beat the Pacers in the playing game. The Pacers didn't have in that game, Miles Turner, TJ Warren, who I'm forgetting somebody else, right?
2: Uh Brogdon was hurt for a lot of the year uh jeremy lamb and we'll see
0: I, I guess I, I guess at the moment they haven't done anything with their coach but i know there was some friction there so in theory you know that'll be good so i guess what i'm saying is that like so on top of the fact that we, like we don't know who the wizards coach is and on top of the fact that at least perception which is not necessarily reality that bradley Beal may not uh, again I, i'm i'm bradley Beal a great year i'm not dismissing him i'm just talking about where the wizards fit so for all this talk of like wh- where they're going to be i mean i I was more, I guess, like this sort of goes in with the perception thing. That the fact that Trey Young is doing what he's doing, um, you know, we can't just we 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 have to take what they did at this during the end of the season seriously because of what they just did in the playoffs and what they may may continue to do. Um, and then you know all these other things. It's just it's just hard to see what, how the Wizards are going to be. Um, even, even if you want to, you know, sell me a bill of goods, and this is what the team does and should do. It's it's a, it's a, uh, they have an, they have a, a, a product they're trying to sell. Fred and I aren't going to come on here and say things that we may question about the athletic, because of course, I, the, the athletic is the greatest media company of all time. So, I mean, there's no reason that we would do that, but I'm just saying like, that's the point. Like don't listen to whatever they're going to say on this, but what the reality is, I, I don't know where the wizards can go. Um, All that said, you just thought about this. You wrote about this. Is there any one thing within reason that you think that they could actually do, pull off? I mean, you can't predict they make the Bertans or Gaffer type trades where you give up not much and get back a player way outside of what your expectations were. Um, But is there anything that you think that they could do within reason, whether it's a coach, whether it's a trade, whether it's a free agent, that you would point to people and say, okay, if they could do this, and we can tell Ben to shut the hell up about the Wizards don't have potential in the East.
2: Yeah, so I I do think to some degree it's like yeah you can't you can't come out here and say well yeah they're just gonna rip somebody off and make some trade where they give up nothing and get somebody incredible, but I will say Tommy Shepard has been very good. Mike Prada has phrased it very well he said he's been very good at turning nickels into dimes and dimes into quarters he's been he's been very good at that just realizing oh hey you're trying to offload that guy that's actually a guy who we think is really good let's bring him in and by the way that's why he values the pro personnel scouting right that's what pro personnel scouting is you are scouting pro personnel and trying to find guys who you think might uh flourish in your environment more than they did in theirs, say, Daniel Gafford or Davis Bertans when they got those guys for, uh, you know, obviously packages that turn those into, you know, you can, you can knock the Bertans contract, but in terms of the actual trade, they get Bertons for nothing. It's a tremendous trade. Uh, same thing with, with Gafford, obviously. I think Shepard has enough of a history in that, that I think we can say he's at least going to try to do a deal of that sort of, construction. Often those are three teamers and the wizards are over the salary cap, but they don't really have trade exceptions that are going to work with them for their, I think Shepard is going to try to do something like that. Now that's a small move on the margins. That's not a move where at the time it's made, we're like, Oh God, they got it. But I, they need more than one thing. Like, I don't think there's one trade that they make where we're like, all right, that's it. They did it.
0: By the way, if I was going to rename this podcast, I might call it "Small Moves on the Margin."
2: <laughs>
0: For real, because those are, those are the things that I'm interested in. But that's not you, sh- the, that's you should not call gonna...
2: it. You should call it the Justin Robinson fan
0: fan pod. Justin Robinson fan pod. Um, yeah, um, but yeah, no, those are not the moves that are going to uh, you know those, yeah. those are moves that are important. And, and, and in terms gap, of big
2: but... moves, a, a move that they could do is. Something where there's like, uh, like there is a 15 million dollar player, the caliber of a 15 million dollar player, but he's making 22 million dollars, so he's not tremendously valued by his team, but he's still helpful. And there aren't a ton of guys who make in that salary range. I was going through it, and it's there aren't a ton of guys. But they can get the salary to do that. I mean, Bertans and Thomas Bryant, you can send out $24 million just with those two guys. You know, one of the things I was thinking about, if you just want to throw out, this is not not me reporting it. When I'm going through all the salaries, I have not heard a thing about this. I have not heard a peep about this. Uh, You know, Kevin Love is quite attainable. I mean, that's a thing where if you go Bertans and... And Thomas Bryant, who's an upcoming free agent. And I, I'm I'm guessing is not gonna start the year still recovering from his ACL because ACLs normally take about a year and he tore it in January. So I'm assuming he will start the year still recovering. You know, if you go and he's a free, he's on an expiring deal. If you go Bertans and Thomas Bryant, you, you know, you include those two guys, you can you can find a way to get to love. And you don't have to that's a deal where like you don't have to give up draft picks, you don't you don't have to do that. He makes about thirty mil. That's not what it's gonna take. Porzingis is on the block. You know, I don't think any of these guys drive the wizards over the edge. Neither of the guys who I mentioned help with your defensive problem at all, though they help with your shooting. It's amazing. Porzingis, like we we all were so excited about his defensive potential three years ago, and he comes back from the injuries and it's like he's so uninspiring defensively. Now it was His first couple of years in the league when like Nick's Porzingis and when Katie was calling him a unicorn, it was, it was so different. I mean, he was, he had so much defensive potential anyway. uh, You know, he's, he's a guy who maybe you throw out there. The thing is everybody wants a three and D wing. No one just gives those guys away. The Suns aren't just going to give you Jay Crowder. Portland's not just going to give you Robert Covington. You know, Robert Covington cost two first-round picks when Portland traded for him last year. That's the going rate for a guy, and he's not even like a 40% three – he's not even a 40% three-point shooter, and he's not even a lockdown one-on-one defender. His value is as a team defender, not as a one-on-one defender. So it will take a lot to bring in that, that 40% shooter who plays A-minus defense for you. It takes an incredible amount to bring that in, and uh, you know they only have the mid-level exception as as their most expensive free agency tool, and and that's going to allow them to sign somebody up to a salary of next year of about nine and a half million dollars or so, and that's not enough money to go get that 40% three point shooter who plays a minus defense. It's just, it's just not. So they're going to have to get creative. I think they're going to have to make up for stuff in the aggregate, but I, I, I do get the sense, you know, from Tommy Shepper saying it and from conversations I've had, I, I do get the sense that they're going to prioritize three point shooting. They're going to prioritize wing defense. Like I don't think they've misdiagnosed the problem with the roster. They were playing three point guards, three centers, and zero wings during the Philadelphia series, which is just a wild way to live in the NBA in 2021. So uh, I think they know what they need to do, and they're going to make efforts to do it. But you're right. It's going to be complicated. They're limited to a degree. I think they'll get closer. But I also don't think they're necessarily coming back next year with a roster that is, uh, you know, just overwhelming with long wings who shoot 37 to 42 percent from three.
0: The, The one good positive about Kevin Love coming here, if that were to happen, is it would, you know how like they do these lists like, you know, in and out, you know, what's in this year and what's out. It would be out talking about Bradley Beal and Jason Tatum grew up together and in would be Russell Westbrook and Kevin Love played college together.
2: And then them rooming together and fighting about the air conditioning. That was their big fight.
0: It sounds like I a guy. Forget, I forget
2: who it is who like one of them liked it really cold. The other one didn't. I forget who it was. I feel like Westbrook's got to be a hot guy. <laughs> I w- I'm going to quote you on that out well, of context.
0: context that might that <laughs> might be odd.
2: How do you think he got the third place MVP vote, my friend?
0: He turned up the heat. <laughs> um all right. So uh, I don't want to I don't want to turn this into some marathon session although we've already talked for a little bit here. So anything else we need to discuss? Um you 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 kindly let me pick topics um when, when i when i come over to your side anything else that we need to discuss i mean you because this is the mid-season tournament of wizards podcast not a not not the the, the full version is anything you you wouldn't dare say on yours that you'd like to say over here
2: Yeah, it's 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 award season uh you know we've talked so much about uh Westbrook taking votes away from Beal and that whole concept. And I, we, I don't think I've actually gotten your thoughts. Do you think Beal is making all NBA?
0: So I haven't been tracking it. Like I didn't, you know, I don't have a vote. So I, I haven't really like done the math. I, I'm i going to guess the answer is going to be no. And I think in part is because of the Westbrook thing. If the wizards, the surge they had would in theory help the Bradley Beal candidate. I mean, right. Um, but <laughs> Westbrook got so much of the attention, not even saying it was wrong. He was playing great. And th- we've, we talked about it a bunch that this kind of team went good or bad with however his, his, uh, you know, his, his approach mindset performance of, of any given day. I, I just do wonder, like there was just so many other guards uh, this year. A lot of them were the candidates. We just talked about a couple of guys here. I, I'm not saying it doesn't, I'm not saying Devin Booker or Trey Young or Westbrook would get it ahead of Beal. But as long as any of these other players get some votes, it takes it away from Beal. And then all of a sudden-
2: They will on some ballots.
0: Yeah, right. So somebody, people will vote for some of these people. So um, yeah, I think ultimately, like I said, haven't, haven't thought about it for a minute. I was optimistic he would get it. But you know now that we're- I guess to be fair, Trey Young and Devin Booker in the playoffs is not relevant because these were votes before. And I'm now viewing it from the mindset that they just did the things that they did. So I guess that's not- Complete relevant. I, I guess I would say no, but I will, even though I was optimistic all pretty much, even until the very end that he would, if you had asked me, if we had this conversation on whatever the day the the were do, I probably would have said yes, but now, nah, I don't know. Maybe now I'm second guessing that.
2: I mean, look, I'm a voter. Guards were just overloaded this year. It was crazy. I mean, so I had Lillard and Curry as my first team guards I put Luca as a first-team forward to move him over just to get him on the first team because he had dual eligibility at forward and guard. But Luca is going to take votes at guard, and Lord knows he's getting them because he's fabulous. Chris Paul, I had second team. Jimmy Butler, I had second team. Paul George is eligible at forward and guard. Kawhi is eligible at forward and guard. Kyrie had an unbelievable season. Donovan Mitchell had a fantastic season on the team with the best record in the NBA. You mentioned Devin Booker had an excellent season. Ben Simmons had an excellent season and the voters who are extremely defensively slanted might, might feel prone to throwing him on there somewhere. He was great. Uh, You know, Chris Middleton, I didn't think was as good as he was last year but is a really good player who had a really good year. You, uh, clearly, I mean, Westbrook, you know, we're joking about the, the Westbrook, you know, third place vote. And, you know, and that's not something that that I did. Uh, but, you know, he, he averaged a triple-double. And some of the voters vote that way. That's just how it goes. So, so somebody is going to throw him on an all-NBA team. And he was he was incredible for those second half of the season. It was that he got to such a bad start in the first half. If, if he played, you know, like he did over the final 30, 35 games for the first 30, 35 games as well, you know, then there's, there's, you know, he's, he's on my spreadsheet of somebody I'm considering for all NBA as well. You know, James Harden was great. And, you know, I, I didn't put Harden. He, he didn't play enough games for me, but He's certainly receiving votes and he's James Harden. So he's getting them. Jalen Brown had a great year. I mean, the guards are ridiculous this year. I probably forgot some people. I mean, the guards are, are, are incredible this year. Jamal Murray had a great year before he got hurt. I think the injury uh, was what really sent him out before that. But like, my goodness, LeBron's eligible at guard LeBron James. Is eligible at guard like it's just it's exhausting so if you make all NBA this year as a guard, I don't care what team you're on that's a that's a major accomplishment Trey Young like that's a that's a major accomplishment getting on there this year it, it is it was a ridiculously tough field and and it was made a little bit easier by the fact that so many guys got hurt this year. So many guys missed time at all positions, which made voting a little bit easier this year. But so many guys also just had great years. And, you know, it's tough. Like I didn't put Jason Tatum on an all NBA team. And cause he had a stretch for about a month mid season when he, you know, after he came back from COVID when he just didn't look like Jason Tatum and he admitted like he was, he was struggling when he came back. And so I, I didn't put him on an all NBA team, but like, come on, that guy's an all NBA player. He's you look at what he did look at what he did over the last three weeks of the year. Of course that guy's an all-NBA caliber player. So this year was tough. If if Beale gets on this year, that's an accomplishment. And no, by the way, everybody thinks that if he makes all NBA, then he's supermax eligible. And Supermax, he is not Supermax eligible, and Supermax does not matter for him. So
0: I I want you guys to know that because you can't see. So Fred's been sitting back in his chair this whole time, just kind of hanging out. He's not have hosting duties, got a mic in his hand. He's not like, I'm like leaning into one, but when Fred just wanted to make the point, because I made that mistake once on one of his podcasts and I I clearly other morons are doing this. Fred got super excited. He like sat right up, got his face, like bam into the camera. Like I could see if he has what's going with his pores and everything. He really wanted you to know that Bradley Beal is that, that doesn't matter gets all NBA or not is he's getting, he's getting that contract or is not or whatever. So,
2: well, so the bill, the Beal extension thing is really interesting. It is like, if you dive into the cap nerdery of it, it is really interesting. Cause the wizards can offer him an extension in October. I mean, and, this, th- go, ahead, go ahead. Yeah, no, it's, it's really interesting. Cause normally when, when a guy is eligible for an extension like this, it, it's after the eighth year of his career. This year, it's after the ninth year of Beale's career. So he cannot sign an extension for the 35% max, which is what the Supermax is supposed to be. The Supermax makes you eligible for the 35% max a year or two early. And Beale, because he'll only have nine years of service at the time of signing it, can only sign for a 30% max or 120% of what he's making this year, which is less than the 35% max, just barely, just barely less, but it is less. And, and so it's, it's just, there's a lot of really interesting stuff for the extraordinary cap nerds on how, what the structure might be for how a Beal contract extension offer might look like. The other thing that matters is if you are supermax eligible, then you're allowed to sign an extension that takes you out up to six years, including the years that you're already under contract. Uh, not supermax eligible, you can only go five years. So the Wizards would only be able to offer him basically a four year extension on top of the one year that he already has, as opposed to a five year extension on top of the one year that he already has. And that makes a big difference in the guaranteed money that they're allowed to offer. So there's a lot to dive into there, but we're far away from this. They can't offer him an extension until October, and a lot of things can happen between now and then. So we'll see. But it's it's I've I've done my my cap my cap prep, and it's this is this is wild stuff if you care at all about legal jargon and uh, and MBA salary cap nerdery.
0: I mean, I think you have to if you're gonna, you know, if you're, this is all these things factor in you can't just say go get this. like i've heard something you hear some people say go go do this go do that and you're like uh <laughs> how are you acquiring player x they're not going to spend that much money they're already spending this like you know you can't you do have to be i mean i guess like here here's how i would view like the conversations fred and i have versus other people you can choose to live in the world of reality or you can be the other people that would be how I would say it, and I not I would a...
2: love not to live in the world of reality. Oh, God. that sounds great.
0: I told Fred before this started I was not really having a great day, and trust me, I would like to not live in the world of reality sometimes. Um, but yeah, and any, and also I, I've been paying attention to the Wizards for forty years, so yeah, I would like to not live in the world of reality. <laughs> um, anyway, um, all right, so uh, so go read Fred's article about uh, kind of the, the the bigger lay of the land for the Wizards as they head into this off season. I mean, they're already headed into, but you know breaks it down what what to consider we talked a little bit about it but he's got more details on various things go read his stuff you already know that um absolutely do not go to fred for football takes unless you're interested in like whatever happened in the chad pennington jet era
2: you know jet chad pennington was uh i actually love chad pennington every jets fan hated chad pennington because he was always hurt and he had no arm no but no arm but I, I loved Chad Pennington.
0: I, I, I liked it. He was on a couple fantasy football teams of mine, not because I, because I, actually, I liked him. I thought he was uh, pretty good, but in any event.
2: Everyone, everyone thought he was soft because he was always hurt, but I always thought the opposite. I was always like, this guy is constantly getting hurt, constantly having shoulder surgeries and continues to come back. I, I would just be like, all right, rotator cuff, I'm out. That, that dude just kept getting hurt, kept coming back figuring out ways he was a smart quarterback he retired the all-time completion percentage leader normally because really because he only threw check downs to gerald soul but but he still did it he this did. is my this is all of my football knowledge well it ends in like 2012
0: well look you know look people do all kinds of fantasy leagues if you're doing a retro 2012 fantasy football league gerald soul there you go or why not, whatever year he was in go
2: Gerald Soule was a good fullback
0: that'd be amazing if he did like a red somehow you did like a retro fantasy football league like you weren't allowed to go back and look but you had to go like like you had to go off the week to week stats like you can't just like, <laughs> like you know and then somehow you still came in last like you already know what happened and you still came in last I now that I think about it, that's actually kind of a fun idea based on um, the honor system right you can't go back and well because even if you did you know I mean it's you don't know who they're going to pick, but yeah, anyway. Okay. This, this is what always happens. This is why the Fred, we'd start a podcast. He goes, We'll go for 20 minutes. I'm like, Cool. And then an hour and a half later. All right. Uh, that's it. Go, go, as I said, go read Fred on the Wizards. And uh, look, you know, I, we'll see. Maybe by the time you hear this podcast, they'll have a new coach, or maybe by the time they make a draft pick. Who knows? We'll see. You look like you had something else to say.
2: Oh, no. I just, when you said maybe the next time we, you hear this podcast they'll have a new head coach i was gonna say maybe the next time that you maybe when you hear this podcast we'll know who voted Russell westbrook third for mvp
0: yeah oh, by the way the, the derrick rose apparently was the fan consensus vote according to what i saw online
2: oh i forgot the league did that which is so ridiculous
0: Right, that's the the, the the clearly New York is stuffing the ballot box. Maybe maybe people thought they were voting for the mayor of of New yeah, York, and instead maybe, they voted for Derrick Rose.
2: Maybe they'll change it after this one.
0: The bloom is off that idea. Oh
2: yeah, I forgot the league just kind of snuck that in, where the fans get an extra vote, which is ridiculous. So there are 101 MVP voters instead of 100 for every other award.
0: There you go. Uh, all right, uh, Fred, always appreciate it. We will uh, we will talk because this is what you and I do the basis of our entire relationship that and the wizards. What a life. Mm-hmm. All right. That's it for this episode. Thanks to Matt Paris. Thanks to Fred Katz. Thanks to you guys for checking out the podcast, uh, possibly back with another one this week. We'll see what happens. But even when we get in, get past mini camp and we're done with covering the team in person until training camp i'll keep podcast going in some capacity might dial back to one a week um because i'm going to try to take some uh, time uh but we'll see how that goes i like the podcast so i like to keep it going we've got some good momentum can't let that can't squander that so that's it for now ben standing signing off until next time see ya